Welcome. Thank you for joining us for the most recent edition of Tech Law 10. Um, I'm Eric Sinrod with Dwayne Morris based in San Francisco. Beautiful day here. And I'm joined by my colleague across the pond in the UK, Jonathan Armstrong. Jonathan, why don't you introduce us? And I understand you're thinking about devices. Yes, I am. Thanks, Eric. It's uh, Jonathan Armstrong here from Cordry over here in the UK. And I've been looking at a Scots case just this week, which concerns uh, Bring Your Own Devices and Aberdeen City Council. Now, uh, Aberdeen uh, Council obviously have in common with a lot of local authorities, a lot of employees. And one of those employees decided to take some work home to do on an evening. Not unusual, you might think. He um, or she, we don't know who that is, and and the identity of the individual has been redacted by the authorities. Um, That person, anyway, uh, worked from home on a non-council-owned personal computer. And we don't know exactly what happened, but we think that that individual perhaps used a memory stick or perhaps created a a document from scratch, maybe in Word, on their personal computer with the intention of presumably taking that back and inputting it into the council system once they've done it. So, so far, so good. It's what people have done, I guess, throughout the years, you know, ever since we had home computing back, I guess, 20, 25 years ago now, that some people might have a half-finished document, do a bit at home on their own PC, and then take it into work. But here's where things have changed, I think. We've all known that many software packages have this auto-save functionality. So on Word, for example, if you use Microsoft Word and it crashes, quite often when it reopens, it'll say, we auto-saved this document just before the crash. Do you want to keep it or discard it? So if you can remember that as a concept. So where does that data go when it's auto-saved by Word? Obviously, it's saved on the computer's hard disk, so on the computer's memory. But the issue that's uh, changed here is that many of us now have antivirus software, which uh, provides a further online vault package uh, uh, backup. So it takes that data and puts it in the cloud again for disaster recovery purposes. And that used to be relatively specialist software. Even taking a backup used to be quite a complicated thing to do, but now it's got simpler and simpler. And as I say, some of the most common antivirus packages you can buy have that pre-installed. So what happened here was that the default mechanism, whenever the person typed their Word document on their laptop was that the data was being uploaded and stored in the cloud. And that, because it was a domestic, straightforward domestic account, was unencrypted. And we're not uh, exactly sure whether they're the circumstances of this particular breach, but reading the regulatory documents that have been, um, uh, that have been, uh, we've been given access to, That seems to be more or less what happened with Aberdeen City Council. Now, unfortunately, the person uh, had some sensitive data on their uh, website at home, uh, on their um, uh, 
PC at home in this document they'd created. And because the uh, data went into the wild, the, um, uh, the Data Protection Act uh, applies because the data controller had, in this case the council, hadn't taken adequate measures to ensure that non-council equipment wasn't used. And so as a result, the local authority has had to promise that it will take various steps to make sure that this doesn't happen again, including training, uh, including making sure that documents are destroyed, um, including things like protecting uh, portable and mobile devices, laptops, portable media, to try and make sure that this doesn't happen again. And the local authority have also agreed to pay a monetary penalty, what's effectively a fine, to the UK data regulator, the ICO. And it seems to me that this case actually, uh, I think, is a pretty common scenario, uh, certainly in the UK and I suspect further afield, that the working day just isn't long enough for many of us. And we do take stuff home to work on, and sometimes that data is, uh, that includes personal data, and sometimes sensitive personal data. And for most organizations, the challenge will be, I think, not to ban employees from working at home, because that just won't suit the organization and won't suit the individual's way of life, but it'll be on things like making sure that any backup is done on the company's secured network rather than a private network. So if, for example, they have Citrix to enable people to work at home, telling them to save documents and work on them inside the Citrix environment rather than outside the Citrix environment and on the computer's uh, you know, raw hard disk, if, if I can use that sort of analogy. And I know that some local authorities are moving more and more of their people onto portable devices. I spoke to uh, somebody at one um, UK local authority, uh, and they're a laptop-only estate. Not only that, but nobody has a fixed desk. So they're all on working. Everybody is working from home one or two days a week. Um, all of them are hot desking when they're in the office environment. And I think from memory, the hot desks uh, are, if everybody that the organization employed went in, they, they would only have desks to house about 40% of them. So I think we can't put the home working, bring your own device, bot, a genie back in the bottle so for most organizations, they're really going to have to take note of this judgment and um, protect employees or protect company data when employees are working outside the office. I wonder if you yeah. thought it was as significant as I do, Eric. Oh, I think it's very important. And it's plainly, you know, that genie is way out of the bottle. And as you say, in the wild, uh, you know, there's no question that people no longer are simply working the nine to five you know, at their desk at the traditional workplace. And, and of course, there are many reasons for that. Uh, first of all, it's so much more convenient for people potentially to work from home and not to have everybody have to come in 
that can actually save quite a bit of expense uh, on both sides. Uh, once upon a time, the thought was that with these labor-saving devices, these new computers we were having come into the field, you know, 20, 25 years ago, people would work less hard because they'd be so much more efficient. Well, in fact, the opposite is true. Now we're able to work, uh, you know, round the clock. And human nature being competitive as it is in the marketplace, that's what people do. So obviously, people are going to work outside of the traditional workplace, and there need to be protections put into place so that sensitive and confidential information isn't available to those who should not be in the know. And so I think you've provided mm -hmm. very prudent advice, and I'm sure this will be something we'll be watching uh, and, and talking about as, as we go forward. Um, do you have any further final thoughts, Jonathan? No, I, I think it's. Uh, I, I think there are probably three things that people are going to need to consider. They're going to need to look at their own processes and procedures. They're going to need to look at technology. There is some good technology out there to cope with some of these risks. And we get back to Tony Blair's magic three words, unpopular though they might be, education, education, education. <laughs> We're going to have to put training programs in place, get people's hearts and minds, and get them to buy into the need to keep uh, data secure. Perfect. Well said. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. These were very valuable thoughts, Jonathan. You've, you've covered a very important topic very succinctly and very well. This has been your weekly Tech Law 10. I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. You can find us all over the place. Uh, of course, we work in a very safe, secure manner. Um, my email address is ejsinrod at duanemorris.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. Uh, Jonathan always does the honor of having the final word. Yeah, uh, th thanks very much, Eric. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, Jonathan.Armstrong at CaudryCompliance.com. If anyone wants a copy of the undertaking in that uh, particular case, then I'm happy to email a copy over to them. Uh, we'll discuss this uh, in the LinkedIn chat room as well. And um, do please tune in again uh, next week when we'll have thought of something else relevant to discuss with your help. Thanks for listening. Bye now. Education, education, education. <laughs>